0: Good evening. We're glad you're here tonight. Since you're sitting, I think I'm going to sit. Maybe I'm getting old or maybe I just worked hard today, but I'm tired. (laughs) So I'm going to sit. If you have your Bibles, turn them with me to the book of Philemon. I was thinking a moment ago, this may be the New Testament book that we know the least about, and I'm speaking on the averages here. Um, most of us are familiar with passages of Scripture that come from other books in the New Testament. But when it comes to Philemon, that's uh, that may be one of the most unknown and unappreciated books of the New Testament. We'll see. Having said that, I will say I think it's one of the most interesting books in the New Testament. And I think uh, we'll we'll hopefully get a sense of that tonight. Before we um, actually start into our study, let's sing and let's pray. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Let's do it once more. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And let's thank him for his blessing, shall we? Lord, we are grateful tonight for your mercy and your grace and the way you have extended both to us so generously. Oh Lord, we are the recipients of blessings of which we don't even comprehend. And we are grateful for all that you do for us. You're an awesome God. Every day you bless us. You give us life and health and strength and a sound mind. We all have places to live and food to eat and transportation and a sound mind and we're just blessed lord we look all around us and we could make a visit to the hospital or the um, nursing homes or other places and we'd realize right quick that we're on the blessed side of things so we're grateful tonight we give you praise and we give you glory we love your word Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity and the desire to study it. So tonight, Lord, would you open our eyes to the principles that are taught by this short little epistle tonight. Help us to comprehend and understand perhaps why it's included in the Word of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen you'll see on the board several names probably one is really familiar the rest not so much i'm not going to ask you i'm i'm going to ask you a question but i'm not going to i'm not going to put you on the spot and and have you answer it out loud but i just wonder if i could have a show of hands if other than the title of this book philemon is there anybody who could tell me anything about philemon now I'm not going to ask you to do it I just want I'm just curious can anybody tell me anything about philemon other than that he is the 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 name of this okay one okay what about the name demas anybody tell me anything about demas Uh, What about Tychius? Almost sounds like something that would bite, doesn't it? (laughs) Of course, we all know about Paul. I think all of us have some familiarity with Paul. I think that kind of substantiates my um, thinking that this is a fairly unfamiliar book of the Bible. Um, in, in my Bible, it's all on one page, so you don't even have to turn the page to to, to read it all. Um, and so what I'd like to do is to tell you the story. Remember the old hillbilly song? Let me tell you the story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, barely the campus family. Well, forget Jed. I want to tell you the story about Philemon, and then we're going to read the book of the Bible together, and then we're going to discuss it and its implications, and what it actually teaches us, and and why it might be included in the canon of Scripture. Before we do that, I'll share with you that this is the only book in the New Testament that is considered to be a private letter. This epistle was not written to a church, um, and it was not written to... Um, um, a pastor of a church where the rest of the people were supposed to read it, as far as we know. It's written to one man. And like I say, we don't know a lot about him, generally speaking, until we learn it from this particular book of the Bible. So Paul, of course, um, is an apostle. How does Paul begin most of his epistles? Paul, an apostle. Paul, an apostle. Absolutely. He doesn't do that here. He doesn't, um, he's not, um, he's not using his apostleship here to address a problem in a church. This truly is a personal situation. It's a personal letter, as we'll read here in just a few moments. Paul is writing this letter to a man named Philemon. Or Philemon, whichever you choose. He was um, a Christian, um, a mature Christian, a believer, somewhat well-known. And um, Paul is writing to him. We'll see the reason for that here in just a few moments. Um, we read about Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave. He was a slave who ran away from his master. Um, Philemon was his master. It wasn't uncommon in Bible days. Um, Slavery was extremely common. If you go into the Old Testament, remember how that God's people ended up being slaves in Egypt? You turn to um, uh, later in history and all throughout history there have been slaves. Sometimes the slaves, in the case of the Old Testament, were Jewish. Sometimes the slaves, as was the case often in European countries in, in later years, uh, the slave were white people. Um, many were enslaved. And then later on in the history that we're most familiar with, uh, there were um, African Americans who were enslaved. Before we finish tonight, if time allows, I think probably we'll have a discussion about why the Bible never outrightly condemns slavery. Um, I will tell you this, the Bible in principle is against slavery. We know that. The principles of Scripture would lead us to treat our fellow man better than What is traditionally thought a master would treat a slave. Even in the New Testament epistles, do you remember those scriptures where the Bible talks about servants be obedient to your masters? Even in Paul's day, slavery was common. Um, It has been said there's different figures. I've read three out of five people in the American, in the uh, Roman Empire, three out of five were slaves. Over half the people in the empire were slaves. I read uh, just this afternoon that 60 million slaves um, were um, present during this time in which Paul ministered here. So it always has been a a situation that has been with us as humans, um, and yet something that neither Jesus nor Paul, none of the rest of the New Testament writers, came out Um, blatantly against although the principles that we were singing just a few moments ago Jesus loves the little children all the children of the world would tell us we need to respect and love one another we're all created even as our constitution says um, all of us are precious in God's eyes Um, yet we have this this ugly custom, behavior, situation that has lingered all throughout history, um, and and perhaps we'll spend a little more time talking about why that has never been addressed in a in a head up way, uh, hitting it head on uh, by the Scripture. Onesimus. <clears throat> And you can use your um, knowledge of history and I guess even to some degree common sense. If Philemon was the master, and he was a Christian by the way, and Onesimus was his slave, it would appear that Onesimus, he we know he ran away, and it would appear probably that he took some things that didn't belong to him when he did. He ran to, uh, ended up in Rome. If you're going to go somewhere and you want to get lost in the crowd and in the masses, that'd be a good place to go, wouldn't it? Rome, the capital, bustling, lots of people. Strange thing happened to Onesimus, though, while he was in Rome. Um, He met a man named Paul. Where was Paul when he was in Rome? He was in prison. Paul was a prisoner. And he met uh, Onesimus. Onesimus met Paul. And Onesimus ended up giving his life to the Lord. And according to Paul's testimony. Was a very very faithful and committed Christian. Paul calls him his his son. He loved this man. And... Um, I don't know if Paul knew that he was a slave in the beginning or not. Or if Paul was able to reach him with the gospel and Onesimus was converted. And uh, then later, uh, Paul found out that he was a runaway slave. But when he finds out, Paul decides that he has to write a letter to Philemon. See, Paul knows him personally. And Paul writes a letter to Philemon and says, um, I have Onesimus here. And he is, he's come to Christ. He's one of us now. And I'm going to ask you to receive him now as a brother. Paul says, Paul told Onesimus he had to go back. You've got to go back. But he also asked Philemon to please treat him not as a slave, but more than a slave, a brother. Treat him as a brother when he gets back. And if he's done any wrong, stolen anything, put that on my account. I'll take care of it. So Paul is standing up for him, coming to his aid to assist him. Philemon, in those days, uh, how typically in his day and in any age, how typically would a, uh, what typically would a slave owner do upon receiving Back a runaway slave yeah, um, in Bible days, here's usually what would happen. They would um, they would brand the letter f, not our English f, but the equivalent. they would brand an f on the forehead. And that was significant of the word, the word from which we get the word fugitive. A fugitive, and that would be branded on the forehead. That's if they weren't killed. Many of them were killed. You get a runaway, they, you get them back, you don't even fool with them anymore because you're afraid they're going to cause an uprising among the rest that are there. So it's easier just to eliminate them. That's what history says. So Paul knows if Onesimus goes back without some type of um, advocate or somebody trying to correct this situation, he knows what the end of Onesimus would be. And Paul couldn't, couldn't hardly t- uh, tolerate that. So um, he sends him back pleading for Philemon. Pleading for Philemon to be forgiving In great measure, this book is about forgiveness. Um, when it comes right down to it, Onesimus is, is kind of a um, metaphor. This is a true story. I'm not suggesting it's just a metaphor. But it's kind of a metaphor of who we all are. Because we all were separated from God, right? And we needed to be reconciled and brought back to him. And Paul makes the plea, treat him like a father. Treat him like Christ would treat him. Not like the culture says you should treat him. So, if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read verses 1 through 25. That's the entire book of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'd like for you to look closely at these words and note mentally any any questions or comments, observations that you have. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. <laughs> to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. To the beloved Aphia, an archipist. Our fellow soldier, it is suggested maybe that Aphia was Philemon's wife, Archippus' son, but we don't know that for sure. And to the church in your house. Note that, and to the church. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you Brother, boy, there's a lot that can be discerned, I think, from those verses. Verse 8, therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such an one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who was once unprofitable to you, who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You, therefore, receive him. That is... My own heart, whom I wished to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you, Or owes anything. Put that on my account. I Paul. Am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Not to mention to you. That you owe me even your own self besides. Yes brother. Let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience. I write to you. Knowing that you will even, you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also, prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. As do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Another name that's on the board, Luke, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, amen. Would anybody like to to begin with a question or an observation of something that we saw as we were reading there? He is laying it on thick. What's the, What's the, What approach did he take here? I'm the love of God. Mm-hmm. I think verse five sets it up. It's hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Mm-hmm. And he's including uh, the now as a saint. Okay. I think he's saying that you know you need to show love and faith. Right. Let's let's chase that rabbit just a little bit before we go anywhere else. When Paul is writing to the uh, the churches, we've studied about this already. When Paul is writing to the churches and he addresses them, and he says things like, "For in Christ there is neither male nor female, female, Gentile or Jew or Gentile." bond or free, what is he saying? In God's eyes yes and when the when the church, even in this age, when the church gang, came together to worship we need to understand this. when the church came together and worshiped you had slaves in the congregation, And their masters were in the congregation. Same congregation. But when they walked through those doors in the place of worship, all that was laid aside. There was no master and slave inside the church where worship took place because we're all one in Christ. All of that just was put aside or supposed to be put aside. One of the things that I can remember when I was growing up um and one of the things I appreciate about my heritage in in um, in this church, um, or as some would say in our denomination, one of the things I appreciate is I can remember from the time from the time I can remember. I don't remember what age that would be, but from the time I can remember, as a little bitty kid, I can remember coming together in conventions, and all that kind of thing. And, and black brothers and sisters. And white brothers and sisters. We came together and we worshipped. I never grew up. Knowing any different. That's all I've ever known. Um, and I'm told. That our church has been one of the. One of the first to have ever done that. Uh, because from the very beginning. We have. We have. Some of my best friends. Even Today. Our African-American preachers. Great Floyd Collins. I've been trying to get Floyd Collins to come preach for us for several years. One of these days I'm going to get him. I better hurry, though, because he's getting old. But he say, I'll, I'll come, I'll come. You just let me know when. <laughs> then I'll mention it to him. Well, I've got a lot going on right now. <laughs> but I'd love to have him come and preach. He's a, a, a dear friend and a great man. But lots and lots of men that I have served with and served under, um, that's never been an issue for for me, and it's never really been an issue in our church. The, I can remember pictures of, uh, of scenes that were quite different from that. I guess what I'm trying to say is, from the time I can even remember when I was a child, it seems to me, as best I can understand, I was raised to do this thing the biblical way, and that is when you came to church, we all saw each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's just the way it was. Even on the street, even on the street, even on the street. But as I mentioned earlier, the the um, it's not always been that way in the world. By a long shot. <clears throat> so when Paul. Uh, is talking to Timothy. Excuse me. Paul is talking to Philemon. And as Ronnie says in verse 5. Paul says. I, I'm hearing of your love. And I'm hearing of your faith. Which you have toward the Lord Jesus. And toward all the saints. Uh, Ronnie's exactly right. He's. And, and so is Miranda. How did you word that Miranda? I he's laying it on thick. He's laying it on thick. From the very beginning, he's letting him know, now I've heard that you do this right. I'm getting ready to put you to the test, but I expect you to pass this test, uh, because Paul knows what he's getting ready to say. And I'm expecting you to respond in the way that I've heard that you live your life. And of course, uh, we would have that same expectation. And that is, and there again, I want you, I want us to get this in our minds when Paul writes to these churches and talks about male and female and Jew and Gentile and bond and free, we need to remember they were sitting down and worshiping together in the early church. And so there's really no reason if Onesimus has come to Christ and he's going back to be with Philemon. Philemon is is confronted with this gigantic... Challenge. Is he going to do what Jesus taught or is he not going to do what Jesus taught? Because Jesus taught love and Jesus taught forgiveness. Am I right? And this is a case where both of those can be demonstrated by this man who Paul has heard good things. Paul knows him personally, and uh, there's no doubt about that, but he's. He's um he's building a case here because he know what what he knows what he's about to ask. And what he's about to ask goes contrary to the culture. Because the culture would say, put the brand with the F fugitive on his forehead and then let him serve, or do away with him altogether. And so he has the he has this decision to make, okay, am I going to do this the way that everybody else does it? Or am I going to Am I going to let my light shine? Am I going to be salt of the earth in this situation? Am I going to do this the way it really should be done? And Paul is is putting him to the test. So that's, that's great, Ronnie. That's a beautiful observation that he makes early on, knowing what he's about to ask. Anybody else? well for one thing he it was probably through Paul's ministry that that Philemon became a believer so in that sense you know you owe me because I've shared the gospel with you and you you know what the gospel requires and I expect now that you you will do that um, other than that I don't know that we have any details about that although there could have been something else we don't know. There again, this, this actually initially, it appears, was a private letter, not a public letter to a church. And and we have the benefit now of being able to see into to a, a part of Paul's life, not the apostle side necessarily, but just the brother side as he's, he's communing with another brother and, and sharing this situation with him, wanting him to respond as Jesus would. Anybody else? I would venture to guess that other, had other slaves also. So now you have to think, um, well, mm, how, how are the other slaves going to look, look at this? Are they going to be tempted to run away also? i got a decision to make. here. Exactly. Philemon you're talking yes. about. Absolutely. And I think that's why one of the reasons Paul is coming to his um, giving him this admonition and, and How'd you say that again, Miranda? Laying it on thick. <laughs> he, Paul is acting almost like an attorney for him, isn't he? Pleading for him, mediating for him. Um, because Paul knows he's a son in the faith. Uh, but he also knows what's going to be expected of him by his contemporaries in this particular situation. Ronnie? He must have been a man of financial statutes. How his other constituents are going to look at how he knows the situation, but mm-hmm. that's going to him also. My goodness, does that not speak to the situations we get into sometimes too? We have a, we we have to make a hard decision that goes against culture in order to take a stand and let our light shine, just like Philemon is being asked to do here. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So true. Anybody else? What do you think is meant in verse 15 when it says, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose. Yeah, it was it was through that act that he came into contact with Paul and became a Christian. All things, work All things work together. Absolutely. And uh the Lord can take any situation in our lives and turn it around for a good thing for us. And obviously that was a good thing for him meeting Paul and becoming a believer and And let's also understand not just a believer, but almost like a right- hand man to Paul, helping him, aiding him, assisting him. Um, Paul thought a lot of this man, Onesimus. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I feel pretty certain he did. <laughs> Although you're right, this we we didn't read Philemon's response anywhere. We have what Paul said to Philemon. That's what we have. But you know what? That's really what we need. We need we need to learn we need to learn how to think like Christ thinks and how to respond like Christ would respond. A lot of times we respond to the the issues of life, the challenges of life, in very un like ways. And if we could just be more like Christ, respond like Christ would, it would certainly alleviate um, a lot of strange situations such as we read about here. you can continue to to think about this. We may in, investigate some other things, but I wrote the name Demas on the board. Does anybody remember hearing the name Demas recently? Do you remember what he did? Um. Paul told uh, said to Timothy. Um. Let me see if I can find it right quick. He said, Demas has forsaken me. Let me see if I can find that. I thought I had that nailed down somewhere, but I've got so much nailed down and highlighted and circled, underlined, that it all blends in together. Demoth has forsaken me. Let's see, where is that? Of which book? Second Timothy 4:10. Yes, thank you. Second Timothy 4:10. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Well, in Philemon, he says, Demas is with me and he greets you. So at this particular point, when this was written, Demas was with him. Later, he wrote about Demas, Demas has forsaken me. What's that tell you? That we should be on guard against. Pardon me? Yeah. To be committed now is one thing. To be committed from now to the end. And be an overcomer is another. Isn't it? There was a. A passage I was going to mention, I think it was this past week or the week before, and then when I got home, I thought, good grief, I didn't even mention that. (laughs) So I'm mentioning it now. In every single one of the letters to the seven churches, um, and I'm speaking now of Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the letters to the seven churches of Asia, to every single one of them, every one of them, talks about how to he who overcomes, this is promised or that's promised, and to he who overcomes, clearly indicating that we have to be overcomers. Somebody was kind of joking with me about my comment Sunday about hell insurance. And, of course, what I meant by that was, People who just come to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry for my sins. I want to go to heaven. And then they believe they're saved. But nothing ever happens in their heart and their life doesn't change. But now they've prayed the prayer and they've been told they're good to go from here on out. But it's not praying the prayer that saves you. It's praying the prayer sincerely and repenting and turning around from your sins. So a lot of people have have are walking under the assumption that they're Christians when they're not. Their lives haven't been changed. They're doing the same old things they did before they got saved. That's not a Christian. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is there a change when we come to Christ? Yes. And if there's not a change, then we need to examine our hearts. So the the promise is not to those who pray to prayer. The promise is to those who are overcomers. To every single one of the seven churches. Now, um, as we saw, there is a difference between having the name of being a Christian and actually being a Christian. Demas kind of illustrates that for us. He was one of Paul's right-hand men. They're with Paul, traveling with Paul, ministering with Paul. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says, "What happened? He forsook Paul because of this present world." Now, did that mean he had trouble in his life? Did it mean he got his eye on making money instead of? Who knows what it was? But somehow or another, he got his eyes off Christ and got his eyes on other things, and he ended up leaving Paul, forsaking him. That's to me. That's um, kind of a nugget there that we just can't ignore it because that's a, that's a warning for each of us I think one of the things that's so encouraging about Billy Graham was I guess he's about as faithful and consistent as anybody you could ever see uh, right to the very end I don't know if you saw his um, watched his funeral or not and the comments his children made I thought, wow, what a legacy! What a family! For them to stand up and say the things they did about their dad and how they were raised. How many? How many did not hear that? Yeah, one of his daughters. I'd never heard this story before, told about the the marriages. Man, if that didn't that didn't do something to you to listen to what she had to say about that and. She she had been in a marriage and and the marriage ended and then on the rebound she married this other guy against the wishes of her daddy and her family she went ahead and did it anyway and and it took just a few days to find out it was a terrible mistake yeah, it was, was it twenty four hours yeah. and she and she said I you know I didn't I did I had to go talk to my mom and my daddy but what was daddy going to say what was mama going to say. And turning into the home place, going up the side of that mountain, she turned the corner and she says her daddy was standing there and he went up to her and just hugged her, said, welcome home. No judging, no sermonizing, no lectures, just like God would do, according to what we read in the scripture. The father ran to meet the prodigal son and embraced him and welcomed him home, right? Man, I, I what a testimony, I like to think that's what Philemon did to Onesimus welcome home welcome home Uh, Tychius is another name that um, I've listed there I'm beginning to believe I studied out of one Bible and bought another one because I declare, I had these things marked. Either that, or somebody moved my paper clips. Oh, here we go. Um, actually, it was in Colossians. I thought the scripture I was looking for. I wanted to share with you about Titus. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Colossians chapter four, beginning at verse seven. Colossians 4 verse 7. Tychius, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I hope you're reading this with me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus... A faithful and beloved brother. Who is one of you. They will make known to you all things that are happening here. So. Ticius Tickius is the guy. That Paul entrusted. Dexter what what do you call the guy who takes a prisoner. And gets him somewhere. Just a deputy or a. Okay. Ticius was a transport officer to take Onesimus. Back to Philemon. And he was a fellow minister and a servant of the Lord. He transports him. Onesimus is there. And um, it's just amazing. I, i tell you, the more I study the scripture, the more I see how it does like this. And it's all locked together. And it confirms, one passage confirms another. That just excites me. How can anybody not believe that this is the word of God? I don't get it. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, verse 10 of Philemon, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. Can I tell you what I think probably happened? I can't prove it's not in the Bible, but I just about imagine that Philemon sent Onesimus back to Paul. said you can go and minister to him it is no problem I'd be happy for you to do that that would be a very acceptable thing wouldn't it maybe I'm just thinking like a pastor (laughs) anybody else before we change gears here anybody else have any um, observations or questions or comments about this story Philemon, Onesimus, the Apostle Paul. Tell me what we can learn from that, what we should learn from that. From them. Okay, that's coming from Onesimus, right? Okay, Onesimus uh, teaches us that, certainly. Also forgiveness. Uh, Onesimus has been forgiven. Philemon needs to forgive Onesimus because the Bible says, if I won't forgive if I won't forgive somebody who's done something against me, the Lord won't forgive me, right? Works both ways. And so Onesimus has been forgiven, Philemon has been forgiven, but now Philemon is being asked to forgive Onesimus. And by sending them back to Paul, as you mentioned, makes his organization look better too, to because he didn't uh Paul, for what he does, knowing that he was a changed man by sending him back to Paul to the brother. Okay, great. I mentioned earlier we, we talk about the the Old Testament basically is the history of, of the Jewish people and they were enslaved basically many times and for hundreds of years. Um, we're familiar with slavery in our own nation's history. We're familiar with slavery throughout history and in different nations and regions of the world. And the Bible never did, you know, God never gave a commandment, thou shalt not, Be a slave owner. It's not in there. I'd like for us to just think for a few moments. Maybe why it's not. Before we do that. Let's do this. I would like for you to give me. Biblical words. Principles. Of Christ Jesus. And the word of God. That would teach us. That slavery is wrong. Love thy neighbor. Absolutely. There's others. Okay, love thy neighbor. Doing, there you go. That's a principle. No respect of persons. Absolutely. Can you think of any more? For God so loved the world, not just certain people you see the, the the thing about it is we tend as human beings to think God loves us most wherever we come from whether you're in the Middle East or whether you're in Africa or whether you're in America you know we Americans tend to think that America that God's that that we're the Apple of God's eye in America um, but everybody tends to feel that way uh, as Dad just quoted the scripture, God is no respecter of persons. And when it comes to nationality and skin color and all that, He's not, because who made us all? He did. He did. He did. Absolutely, which is what I alluded to earlier, and that's that's a great point. Even if the world doesn't do it, we have an obligation to do it because we are Absolutely. believers. So we're going to do it. I it to you? Sure. From my past as a child growing up in this same church, which was, of course, up at Fullertown Road when I was small, smaller. Well, it was moved there when I was still young, but we have another little building before that, but it was in that church when we had the uh, uh, congregations that met Raleigh or somewhere that were a different nationality that came and some of the people of the community were making a real uproar about seeing those people in that parking lot going into our church which was I mean, to us
1: that was the
0: thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't think anything of it, and mm-hmm. that's kind of speaks of the church leading. It does, absolutely. And that's just the, uh, that that's pushing us down the road of the point I'm trying to make. There's a lot in Scripture if you believe Scripture, and and the things that have been mentioned, like love, love thy neighbors thyself, and forgiveness, and doing to others and all that you all have said it it pushes us down that path so why do you think that that Paul nor Jesus nor God in the Old Testament never gave a commandment it never was a you know what I'm saying never was in writing never was official thou shalt not have slaves more than, than anything else. Yeah. I was, I was just reading through Deuteronomy saying, you know, if you have a slave set free on the seventh year, mm-hmm. unless he wants to step, and then you just say, okay, then you're then he's your, your servant. Mm-hmm. Around, but it's his choice. That, in, that, in that situation, that's very true, among the people of God. Outside that, the slavery could be very wicked, like I was talking about, with the brand and the, Death sentence if you ran away, and that type of thing. I, I, isn't there a difference between a servant and a slave? Isn't there a difference between those two terminologies? Because to, to serve someone, you can do that pretty hard. And maybe you're a you know, you reward for it. Yeah. Like a Slave, you're made to do that. Biblically speaking, uh, at least in the Greek language, there is no difference. It's, I shared that, I don't know if it was a sermon or Bible study. It was a Bible study because I was talking, had my book with me last week. First year Greek book. One of the first words we learned in Greek was doulos, a slave or a servant. And they're, they're the same. Um, so, Dexter? That word. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely do. But here's my point. Let me let me flip the coin over and, and state it a different way. Um, what would have happened to Paul and to the New Testament church if they had gone out and started um, preaching against slavery? Would they have been um, sidetracked from what their real message was? Would it have created an uproar and a riot and, uh, and a whole social movement that would have detracted from the real message, which was that God sent his son Jesus to this world? And I think probably for that reason, we are taught against slavery in the way that you're describing and the way that all of you have said. But if it had become their message... And there was, of course, if three-fifths of the people there were slaves, there would have been an uprising. And this cause, which I'll remind you is the most important cause on earth, the message of Jesus Christ. Amen? We tend to lose that sometimes, lose sight of that. But that would have been lost in the more contemporary issue of slavery, and then the, the message of the gospel would not have been... Shared, and received, so forth. Also, I think it might have probably would have had a bigger impact uh, if Philomene like, treated his slaves in front of everybody, put his arms around, him, treated him as his brother, mm-hmm. brought him into his house, and the X, Y, and Z. You know, I think that would have been more noticeable. Absolutely. Yeah. And in Paul's day, again, the masters and the slaves go sit down together and worship. And there's no distinction between the two there. And like mom said, it was more than 40 years ago. <laughs> okay. Okay. There you go. That's good. Yeah. So the the higher ideal is always here than in a social movement. Absolutely. Anybody else? There's a whole lot that can be said from a little book like Philemon. What about verse eight? Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you. What's he saying? You probably not like what am I afraid? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it anyway. I could tell you like yeah. it is, but I'm, sorry, I'm gonna. Yeah, I could flash my apostle card now. You know, I could put the heat on you. But I'm not going to do that. Yet, for love's sake, I would rather appeal to you and ask you. Yeah. Because he didn't really want to sound like he his boss. Exactly. He's coming at him more like we're equal. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, I'm your boss. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's what he was getting at when he said, and, you know, don't forget that you owe me even your life besides. And I think probably he was talking about sharing Christ with him and, and the message. Um, in some ways, Philemon was Paul's son and Onesimus was his son. If he was the one who led each of them to Christ. Oh, I love the Bible. It's good stuff, isn't it? I don't know how in the world we're ever going to get through the book of Hebrews and one Wednesday night and one Sunday. I've been struggling with that one. Man, there's so much good stuff there. (laughs) We we probably just have to stick to the pattern we've been doing. Give it one, one Wednesday and one Sunday and then we come back maybe to Hebrews if that seems to be a good thing. It's an awesome book. I love Hebrews. I always say that about them all, don't I? Um, prayer request: If you have any that you'd like for us to lift up to the Lord, feel free to share them tonight. Yeah. Okay, let's remember Tia. Uh, my grandfather went home today. Uh, wow. But he still needs help or still needs prayer. He's going to have to start doing a lot on his own. He has, I think, like home health coming just a little bit each day, and my mom's staying for a few days. But past that, he's pretty much on his own. He has to start. Mm-hmm. Um, So long Yeah. Okay. Miranda? Two weeks from now Friday, Ian and all those will be getting all of those easily taken out. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that goes you know, smoothly. Okay, Dexter. We'll go with Jessica have the back Okay. Just remember Jessica. <coughs> and, go ahead. Good report today from Denise Dotson. She's not what say completely out of the woods, but at least some positive. Yeah, that would be my brother-in-law's sister that we've been praying. She, she has been unresponsive and pretty much didn't even, as far as we know, know she was here for days now. And, um, they say that she, that she has a trach, so she can't talk, but she was trying to communicate with them. And, and this is the first day in weeks, I guess, that she's had any sign of, coming back to normalcy. So they're very excited about today. So we thank the Lord for that. Please also remember Ollie and um, Betty Tilton and and the others. Miranda? Also my neighbor you know, that is having uh, seven chemotherapy for the Okay. All right. Would you help me pray tonight? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we lift up to you these needs. We know that you're a God who understands each one. I'm just reminded, Lord, that we haven't informed you of anything tonight that you didn't already know. But Lord, we also are reminded that the Word of God tells us to bear one another's burdens. You invite us to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might find help in time of need. So, Lord, collectively, we join together tonight. We lift our voices. We lift our faith to you, asking you to minister to these needs. You're a faithful God. Lord, you've answered prayer. You've done wonderful things for which we are glad. And we ask you, Lord, tonight to minister to these needs that have been shared. Lord, we commit them to you. I pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in the hearts and lives of every single one of these needs that have been met. Minister to those who are sick. Be with those who are facing surgery. Oh, God, comfort those who are recovering from um, surgeries or the loss of a loved one. You are the great comforter, and we thank you for that. Minister to each one. Lord, for people who are going through personal struggles of different kinds, I just ask that you would minister to them. Intervene in our lives. Break through, Lord. Do something in our hearts and in our lives that help us recognize, oh, Lord, that you are with us and you're answering our prayers. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Blessed be your name. We do love you. We praise you. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, in our church, our families, Lord, we just ask that you would um, help us draw us near unto yourself. And when we come back on Sunday, Lord, help us to come in ready to worship and praise you. Blessed be your name. We give you glory, and we give you praise. In Christ's name, Amen. Amen. We'll be putting out. Our-